SUSS Podcast presents a show where industry founders, executives, and leaders from all spheres of society come to share their insights and experiences about the past, present, and future of our world. Previously on SUSS Podcast. When you are making decisions as a professional, do you think about the ramifications of your decisions? Or is it only about, if I make this decision, my career will advance? Or if I make another decision, the company will make a little bit more money? We want to put into our students the thinking that, yes, it will make a bit more money for my company, but does it do good for the people who are going to buy the products? So you got to think as a marketer. So if will I do or won't I do? It, okay, right? but while deciding on that, making all yeah. the managerial and business decision, as a university then, as we focus this as a very applied context of learning, how do we put forth this idea that it is a science? And in addition to that, if you combine science with social good, would there be any misconception? Because we have two large words in our university name, which is yeah. social sciences. Yeah. Then we are talking about social good. We are applying our skills and technology in this area. How do you reconcile that? What exactly does social okay, science okay. mean? To me, you know, science is a systematic way of thinking. You gather evidence and you know it's evidence-based and, and you might even be able to write formulas and be a bit more exact. Science is quite exact. Would anybody say social work is not science? Well, there's quite a bit of, of that. But in the part that's traditionally not taught as science, there's a human element in it. Uh, if you're talking about a computer, there isn't that quite the human element. You just tackle the problem right. with the computer, <laughs> right? Set okay. the algorithms and, and you're there. But when you're doing social work, you might have the science of thinking about how things behave and you might actually be able to measure behavioral stuff. But we well know that the moment you have the human being inside the problem or inside the discussion, there's a lot of uncertainties. Mm. And I sometimes wonder, is that much more demanding than science? Science, you follow formula, you check, you measure. This one, you can measure, you can check, but actually every case might actually come up different. Is that inferior? It's not. And but that also means that the boundaries are totally rewritten. Correct. It's quite difficult to ascertain the boundary. It is quite. And in fact, as we go into the future, I think that the boundaries will increasingly fade. And For example, analytics will go a lot into social work. And analytics will then become a tool to enable the social worker to do the job better. But there's a lot of science and mathematics and analysis in the analytics bit. And we don't need the social worker to understand that or to be able to manage that. But we need to get the social worker to understand the magnitude of service that is available now, the opportunities that the social worker has to be able to analyze the individual problem better, to be able to do predictive analysis of the person coming in as somebody he or she has to manage, and to be able to judiciously use the data and call for the data. I like to look at this behavior, I like to look at this trend, in order to calibrate my client against this. And all we need the social worker to understand is the power of that analysis and the ability and be able to see from that power what can the person draw out in order to assist him in his treatment. Is that the strategy of SUSS right now in the next evolving years to kind of position itself differently? There's a will about this. <laughs> the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. It's not going to happen overnight. 
as you said just now earlier, the faculty needs to be tuned up. Correct. And you know our faculty, including myself, we have been brought up not to think that way. You know, in our past history, as we went to universities, did we ever get the kind of education we are dishing out today to our students? Definitely not. No, Definitely not. No. Yeah. So there's a mindset change that's needed. There's a capability change that is needed. And most importantly, a change, a persuasion of faculty to see that this is good for our students of the future. If they see that, I'm confident they will make the change. It may take time, but they will make the change. So here in SUSS, we do recognize that we have two very special cohort of students. We have the full-time students yeah. who have definitely have not had a lot of work experience. And we also have the part-time students who are holding an existing job and adult learners who comes to SUSS in the yeah. evening, right? So for these two cohort of students, do you see any challenges they face in taking up this applied social sciences approach that we are developing in them? I think the full-time students, we are already doing it. And they are oriented quite a bit that way already. If we talk about social, our young students have got the kind of mindset. Those we select into the university here, they are inclined that way, they're interested in environment, in doing good, being impactful in a positive way, and so on. With the full-time students, and we have a lot more time with them. I than, agree to that, yes. Yeah, right, I mean, yeah. you are a faculty yourself, yes, right? Yeah. More, in a way, is I would say they're more moldable because yeah. fresh minds, so yeah. we can really start from ground zero to build up that mindset yeah. and to develop the mindset and build that momentum towards right. lifelong learning. And the other thing that I think our students have, they have social media. Right. The social media is a very powerful agent, either for change, for good or for bad. And so social media allow our students to interact with one another much better, quicker, and so on. And so if you seed ideas, hopefully and you've got a group of students who are enamored with those ideas and convicted, and they will move this along on social media even. But for the part-time students, it's a bit more difficult simply because these people are in a hurry, they are busy, they have other demands on their hands. And so we're trying to only give them what is really needed in order to give them the disciplinary deepening. But now, we are looking into how we can inject a bit of this. You cannot do it the same way as you do with uh, full-time students. However, you can inject, for example, in projects, if you're asking an additional question that bring up the social-minded thinking, Correct. is that possible? <clears throat> That's possible. So you've got to be able to look into what is it that we have been doing with our part-time students and put in a very soft paddling way so that they are not quite aware that there are many more new things to be done because they will rebel against it because it's difficult. Correct. They don't have enough time. But you will pick them and say, why don't you think about this, right? And then we are now giving opportunities for part-time students to take part in some of the things that our full-time students are doing. And indeed, there are people now who are doing it, coming, they, they may have a little bit more time on their hands and then they take part in some of the activities of our full-time students. So on that point, if that's the case, when it comes to these two domains that we have talked about, right, which is interdisciplinary learning as well as applied social sciences, what do you think is SUSS's role in pushing them forward in a systematic way in a foreseeable future? What is our plan? As I said just now, getting interdisciplinary thinking will be part of that plan. And, and it's not creating new disciplines or anything like that. It is actually injecting occasions and opportunities to make the students think and work together with others. Is there any okay. personal experience you can share on this point? 
As an engineer, I have to think about when you are building a road or you design a road. Yeah, as an engineer, you just do a, as good a road as possible. But actually, you talk to the urban landscape people, you talk to uh, URA, and you look at if this road would cut through here, it will affect this village or, or that piece of land and so on. And you begin to think about maybe I wanted it to be straight, but now I'm okay to have it a curve because is going to intrude into some barrier grounds, you know, the Bukit Brown situation. Yeah. In the end, pragmatism will prevail. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, okay. you know, unfortunately. Yeah. However, there's no reason why the other bits of thinking about the situation, the other constitutions, cannot be voiced. Because if we don't voice, we are guilty then of not playing our part. And we must tell our students, you need to voice what you see from a social point of view. And so the social bit is really trying to inject those students the thinking of social, society, social good. And not only just after graduate, they'll be more concerned about the careers, but even in the careers, what are your decisions that will impact society? And long after that, once you're successful, how are you going to return to society? What has society has given you? And if we have this in every one of our graduates, and they do their little bit, I think we'll have a better society. And SUSS should be known for turning out graduates of this sort. If there's anything to define us differently from the other autonomous universities, where well, we can have, talk about methodology and online and so on, mm. my take is that our graduates will define us as different from the other autonomous universities. So you're saying that this is in fact one of the strategies since SUSS yes. becomes an autonomous university yes. and in positioning itself along other AUs in Singapore. So if that's the case, allow me to throw in an additional question. What about chasing after ranking? We do know that a lot of parents look at autonomous university, immediately it comes to their mind is, what is the rank of this autonomous university? So on that point, how do you actually tell the parents that in a very comfortable way where we are different? Yeah, my view is we just need to know what we want to set up and achieve as a university and put in the quality and do our best for it. For our students coming in and for the society outside as we do the applied research. Whether we are ranked or not ranked or ranked high or ranked low, doesn't matter. If you function in the way you have purposed and you turn out the graduates the way the university was set up to do, you have achieved. And I would tell the parents, Look, what program you do, people are looking at two things. One, what's the salary like? What is the career progression? But I would tell parents, yeah, these are two important. But there are other important things like what really interests your child. Have you given the values to your child such that when he makes decisions about his career and he will have those values impacting on decision? Thirdly is that our role as parents is just to guide. It's not to decide the path of our child for the rest of his life. And it's a very heavy responsibility and parents ought to dwell on this and figure out, do I really want to take on that to the ultimate? I'm telling you, please go and do medicine or you know, <laughs> law or engineering or whatever, isn't it? Yeah, yes, that's true. So yeah. if you were 19 years old again today, how would you approach your higher learning goals then? I'm asking this question from the perspective for the part-time undergraduate students here. Well, first of all, I'm not 19. So already there's a perspective dissonance, right? Mm -hmm. I would say to the young people, stay curious and be open-minded. And you'll be making decisions along the way, including what discipline you take. Uh, spend enough time mulling over that decision. But once you make the decision, don't look back. You really are adaptable. 
go for it, make the best of whatever program that or you know degree that you get, and then after that, once you're armed, right, there are more opportunities available to you. But you see, if you are unhappy with what you have chosen, and then as you go through, you agitate over it, and what will you do? What will you get out of a degree? Correct. Not correct. much, right? And the degree yeah. pursuit process will be extremely painful yeah, and correct. not fruitful altogether. It will destroy your sense of wanting to learn more, lifelong learning, and so on. And it will make you feel that you are not prepared for the outside world. But how will this change then if you were a mid-career switcher? I would say know yourself. Know your limits as well as your capabilities. If you don't know, ask somebody or SUSC is trying to find ways in which to tell a person you've got this competency or you've got this skill and so on. And then look around you and, and look at other jobs that require your competencies. Are and you able to give an example from personal experience? I mean, in your education career, are there moments like this whereby you actually yeah. look into that? I'll give you an example. When I was a dean of the school in NTO, civil engineering. There was this girl who came to me, asked for mercy because <laughs> <laughs> she flung a couple of times and by our rules, she has to be out. Correct. So I looked at her and I talked to her and said, do you really want to do civil engineering? And she said, no. I was put here because I didn't make the grade for other things. Then I looked at her and I said, what is it that you really want to do? And she said, I want to go into media. Either that or fashion. The mm. type that fits her. That is aligned with her. So I said, really? Have you done anything about it? She said, yeah, I've done this and this. But I ended up having needing a degree <laughs> and I had to do civil engineering. So I persuaded her, don't ask me to take you back. I want to encourage you, go and look for something that suits you. If I were to pity her, I would say, all right, I'll give you a chance. And she will suffer for one more year. Agree? And she'll be delayed by one more year in the things that she wants to pursue. But what about mid-career switches? The opportunity cost is going to be way much higher. For no, precisely. People. If you know what you have, your competencies and so on, and surely at mid-career you would have gathered quite a bit of this. And if you can validate some of that, then look around for jobs that at the very least need those. So you're already one step ahead. And then look for conversions that are really top-ups. Don't think about, oh, I've been doing business now, I want to do law. It is a complete change requiring you, because of professional requirements, for you to go the whole hog. Mm -hmm. But if, if you're doing top-ups and you look for programs and, and jobs that require you only to top up a year or so, or one and a half years, to get a new capabilities that will get you into a job, that's doable. So, based on this context, are you saying that for part-time students at different stages of their life, their education needs will also differ? Based on that, what would your advice be? First of all, when I said about these students, I would add that SUSS actually has been looking into giving opportunities to top up. And the second thing that we have been doing is to try to turn a lot of the stuff that we are dishing out, you know, courses and so on, into doable ones that people can take along the way as they grow in their own jobs, continue education and so on. So this journey, I would say to the adult learners, when you begin work and should continue, you might do it in little bite size, which we are also providing, and do it and it becomes a habit for you. And you gather this and you gather that. And then if you are not sure what you want to gather, go for advice. And again, we provide some of this career counselling and advice. Maybe some of the faculty will be able to say, you know, if you take this, you'll be able to get a minor or a deepening in certain Correct. areas that are yes. needed and so on. 
And then, as you go along, be ready to switch. And one of the problems with switching is about income. Correct. Yeah, it's a big problem. And so I can see that government have schemes that will allow you should not be expecting that when you switch before you get trained, you get the income that you have been enjoying. So it's also a case of taking a look at your own financial management and looking at your financial needs and deciding when you will change and how much can you afford not to have in order to ride over, it's actually riding over a short period of lower remuneration and so on, in order to get to a high level. That's, to me, it's called an investment. Based on that word investment, there is yeah. uh, an analogy that I've heard of, which I've also talking to my students about it. Someone once told me that life is like cooking up a meal and you have in front of you a stove. You've got four pots in front of you. One of the pots is actually called personal development. Another pot is called health. One is called mm. finance, your personal finance. And the last one is social, which includes your friends, your family. So if I hear you correctly, you seem to say that an adequate investment in each of these four pots is in fact not just the future of work, but the future of life that will help people sustain. What do you think of this? Well, if you look at those four pots, I would say some pots actually last right to the very end. Correct. <laughs> those are the relationships. The number yes. one is relationships, yeah. family, they will follow you all the way to the grave, right? Correct. I agree. Um, yes. So that's one. The second one is health. Something they, which I really a lot of adults kind yeah. of, you know, in their pursuit of their career yeah. overlook. For, yeah, correct. And they are interlinked. If you don't have good relationships, your health may actually suffer. If you've got poor health, it's hard to continue the relationships, you know. So these two, I think, are the ones we need to focus on. However, in order to live and if you want to have long life, you must have the finance. You have the That's career. the finance part yeah. and the career yeah. part. And I would say your priorities change as you go through life. But you must not let off any of this, you see. So at one time, a younger, it might be the career, you know, it sacrifice a little bit more of the relationship or... At that point, your health may not be topmost because our bodies are young and can <laughs> yeah, last. Yes, right? yes. We all go through uh, that But phase. at some yeah. point, you realize that the thing is, if you sacrifice health and you do your career, and find that, wow, it's very enjoyable, you know? And, you know, I'm going to reach this level and that level. The temptation is to, I'll keep going. And then you forget about that health bit or the relationship until it's too late. You okay. overlook so, the loved ones. So I would say a person in his life must keep on rebalancing. You set your priorities, your priorities will change in the four points, and you need to rebalance what you do in order to recognize those priorities. That's easier said than that. In fact, anybody listening to me, especially the people, the professional mid-career switchers, I speak as though it is easy or you know I don't understand. But the reality is, it is before us. And I understand how difficult it is because I see students coming in who are really hard-pressed for time and family and so on. And that's the thing that actually caused me to say lifelong learning is very important because these are the evidence of lifelong learning. And so I will talk to those who are struggling and so on. Tomorrow will be another day. Let's look at it. And if you do, you get a better chance of having a better day tomorrow. If you don't, then tomorrow is lost. Last question. If you can provide our audience two takeaways, right? It be in life lessons or insights. Looking back at your journey in your life, as well as your career in education, what is these two takeaways that you can offer? So life is a journey. Just like learning is a journey, right? And there will be ups and downs along the way. And it's not a defined route. Lest anybody thinks that he can actually determine what his 40 years ahead 
or 60 years ahead is going to be like, and which we cannot control. To me, as a Christian, my life is in God's hands. And He determines where I go. And I submit to the circumstances He places me in. That's as a Christian. And ultimately, whether you are of this faith or that faith, ultimately, I think you cannot control the circumstances coming around you very much. But you can control your response to the circumstances. You can develop an ability to be able to respond well to varying circumstances. And that's what we call resilience and yes. various, various other words. I think it's just how you respond well to a difficult situation presented before you. Then for youngsters, I would say, enjoy your youth. You'll never have it again. But also, uh, remember, yes, you're not going to have it again, but you're going to have a different set of circumstances in the future. So you should also, while enjoying your youth, lay the foundation well for that future. I guess it's fair to say that while trying to understand the future of work, we should also embark on trying to understand the future of life as yes. we proceed in this career. And it's a funny thing that you talk about future of work. Yes. Do we know the future of work? We can only predict. Yes, yes yeah. correct. Yeah. And it kept students generally to be able to take those. But it's not science, right? I guess that's where lifelong <laughs> learning comes in. Yeah, correct. And I would encourage anyone listening here, keep learning. It's never lost. Well, on that note, thank you very much, Prof. Chong. It's a pleasure for us having you with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jimmy. That was Professor Chong Hikit, founding president of the Singapore University of Social Sciences. I'm Dr. Jimmy Wong, and thank you for listening to us today. This episode is brought to you by SUSS Podcast. For more podcast episodes, visit suss.edu.sg slash podcast. You may also find complimentary content at suss.edu.sg slash blog. Check out more thought leadership content by the Singapore University of Social Sciences at suss.edu.sg slash blog.